Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to the book of Ephesians. Your Bibles or your Bible app, however you choose to get your Bible, go ahead and open that to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin at verse 26. As if, if this is your first time with us here or online, we're in the middle of a series called The Heart Matters. And what we're doing during this season of Lent, which started on Ash Wednesday and goes all the way through to Good Friday as we journey with Jesus across the church, has traditionally made this service a service of time. Not on? Oh, it's going in and out. For those of you online, we'll try this again, see if we can get this to work. I'll move around a bit and maybe... Here, no, no, I guess. Bring that up here. Nothing like holding something. Well, I'm when my hands are tied down, I can't speak. (laughs) So this will be interesting. This will be a lot of fun today. But uh, we have been looking at during the season of Lent as traditionally a time when the church looks at sin and we take sin very seriously. And yet we've also said that we're not going to view sin as superior to the work that Jesus can do in our lives. And so we do want to look at sin. And so we're looking at what the church has traditionally called the seven deadly sins or the seven head sins. And they they get messy. They seem really small. Things like anger and pride and envy. Things that you would find on a soap opera. Whether you watch soap operas in the afternoon or the soap opera that is... uh, you know, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, however you get your soap opera. These are the things that are involved in all of those. They seem small. But these are sins that multiply and get very messy in our lives. And so this is an important thing for us to look at and to let Jesus deal with in His powerful and clear and yet gentle and merciful way. And so... If you have your Bibles, it'll be pretty easy to see which one we're dealing with this week. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, when I was about Jackson's age, uh, we used to go on youth fall retreats. We lived in South Texas, so we never had to worry about the weather. It was always hot and dry. Sometimes it was humid, and the humid humidity to get, could get unbearable, but we always went on retreat, both fall and spring. And we always went to the same little camp that was out in the brush of South Texas. 
And uh, we just had a blast as teenagers. And we would always start the morning. I, I don't know why. I don't remember it being really hot. But we would build a fire and we would have our church service around the campfire. And I was sitting particularly close to the campfire uh, during this time, during this particular morning devotional. And I had a can of Pepsi with me. I had not opened that can of Pepsi. And, you know, I should probably say, because this is online, I should probably say, this is for illustration purposes only. Please do not attempt this at home. And parents, watch your kids, particularly at campfires. I had not opened the can of Pepsi. And somehow my little teenage brain decided, I wonder what would happen if I put my Pepsi can in the fire. Why do young boys do that? So I set it in there on its side, not sitting up. I set it up there, and I just began to watch it as the preacher was doing the little talk that they were giving around the campfire. And I began to watch that soda can slowly expands and began to move. And, and all of a sudden, the bottom went, boop, out the, you know, the other, it went the other way. And it was just there. It was right about then, while I was just keeping an eye on it and, and watching, that one of the youth workers that was sitting just right here yells at the top of his lungs, who put the Coke can in the fire? I said, well, it's actually Pepsi, but uh, no. Uh, uh, and he said, everybody back. And we... You know, we, we all scampered and scurried, and just as we got out of range, that thing, boom! I didn't know that there could be that much combustion in one little can. It actually threw some of the smaller flaming logs out of the fireplace, or out of the fire pit, and it, it went over and started catching fire to the little grass area. There's a lot of brush around. And so people were going around and, and, and putting that out. Oh... It was there I learned that exposure can sometimes lead to explosion. (laughs) And the truth is, my friends, that a lot of times exposure to anger and continued exposure to anger can lead to explosions of anger within us. And this is why Jesus wants to take anger very seriously. We have all felt the effects and seen the experience or experienced the damage that the sin of anger can cause. We have seen it in dramatic things like the Oklahoma City bombing in our country in 9-11 in the riots that have taken place at various times throughout our history. Some of you have witnessed it where you were not supposed to witness it, in your home, with someone who was supposed to be safe. Some of you have seen that anger. And you, if you were honest with yourself, you would say that continued exposure to anger has sometimes led to those same explosions happening in your life. And it shoots the logs on fire out of the fire pit and begins to create other avenues 
for anger to take place. The Bible takes anger very seriously. I mean, right at the beginning, we talked last week about how Cain was envious of Abel's gift. And and in that envy, he became angry. In fact, did you know that the, the first time God speaks to somebody other than Adam and Eve, he asks the question of Cain, why are you so angry? It's right at the beginning. But it goes on. There's, there's another guy later on. We see that that anger has continued to manifest itself in the world where this guy with this crazy name called Tubal-Cain. I wonder why we don't name our kids Tubal-Cain anymore. That's a very strong name. Anyways, Tubal-Cain is so angry that he said he has killed someone for simply injuring them, injuring him, bumping into him. He has slaughtered someone who has actually brought harm to him. It goes on and on. We see in anger that Sarah cast Hagar and the young baby Ishmael out into the desert wilderness. And we know that in anger, the religious leaders of Jesus' day used the Romans to nail Jesus to a cross. And later, Saul, who would become Paul in anger, put Christians in jail and persecuted them and witnessed even their death. The Bible takes anger very seriously. But it's also not so cut and dry. I mean, this week in your readings that you've been doing, I know that we read about Jesus driving out the money changers with a whip in hand. Now, the truth is, he drove out the animals. I know we don't use animals, thank goodness, in our services. But back then they did. And he drove out the animals with a whip and he overturned the money changers. But he did it with good intention. He cleared the space that had been taken over that was supposed to be for people who were not Jewish to come in and be able to pray. And they had set up business there so that they could just let the business of the temple take the place. And Jesus says, this is not right. And he uses anger and overturns the tables and clears the space so that those who are outsiders could come in and still pray to God. We see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses anger to confront Peter. When Peter backed away from eating with Gentiles when the men from James came. And he confronted them and said, how can you do this? The walls have been torn down. Don't go back into legalism, Peter. He uses some pretty strong language in Romans to correct that little Roman church. And in our day and age, Martin Luther King Jr. used nonviolent anger To begin to bring about change in the system that was keeping people of color down. So which is it? What's the difference between this sinful anger over here and and this that's destructive and that exposure leads to uh, explosions and this good kind of anger, this anger that, that just seems to 
to be used to motivate or to change things the way they should. What is the difference? Well, the important thing is that we have to look then at anger. We need to do a little bit of understanding about anger. And so let's look at anger. And as a psychologist, which was my first profession, as a psychologist, I would want you to know that anger is a secondary emotion. You can write that down. Anger is a secondary emotion. What does that mean? It means that anger follows usually a a trauma or a loss. Anger follows a trauma or a loss. You don't normally go around just being angry, but when you lose something, when something is taken from you, or you experience a trauma, anger can be one of the responses. In fact, when you're dealing with grief, when you're dealing with bereavement, one of the stages of grief is anger. It's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then eventually moving to acceptance. But anger is a part of the process. I can testify to that. When my dad passed away eight years ago, of leukemia. At first, there was this. I, I wanted, you know, as a as a good Christian and as a, as a therapist who can handle all all things, I wanted to rush right into acceptance. He had been sick for a long time, and it wasn't until I was alone with God on retreat that I began to see that secondary emotion of anger. Why was there not medicine for my dad? Why, God, did you take him? It was anger. Anger is a secondary emotion. We need to know that. So it's important to to see that this will be a part and to begin to examine the loss and the trauma when you see anger coming up in your life, when you see those explosions throwing those logs out into the brush. The second thing we need to know is that anger is not always sinful. Look at verse 26 there. Verse 26. Anger is not always sinful. Paul writes, In your anger, do not sin. In your anger. Having anger is not sinful. Anger is a secondary reaction to loss and trauma. It is something that is going to happen in your life. It's going to happen in my life. Having that response that God placed in how God created us as human beings is not sinful. In your anger. Paul assumes that this little church will have moments where they are angry. In your anger, it is not sinful. But, he goes right on and says, but do not sin. So having anger is not sinful, but what we do with it can be. Paul is putting that little dichotomy, that little paradox, holding the tension between you will have it. That's not sinful. What we do with it can be. He moves right on. And number three, non-sinful anger is dealt with swiftly. I want you to know that. Non-sinful anger is dealt with swiftly. That's what Paul writes there when he says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now I've seen this as a couples therapist. You know, 
your wife or your spouse, your husband does something at breakfast that just ticks you off. And so you don't talk to them or you, you know, you're just kind of mumbling around. Somebody calls you on and says, well, I've got until sundown. That's not what this is about. If the sun is already down when your spouse or, or your colleague makes you angry, that doesn't give you 24 more hours to just be angry. What Paul is saying, he's using poetic language to say that if you want your sin to be not, you, if you want your anger to be non-sinful, you need to let it be dealt with swiftly, right away, as soon as possible. That's what Paul is getting at. Non-sinful anger is dealt with swiftly. We're going to look at, at the end, I've been trying to give us exercises, things that we can do if this sin is really lodged in your heart, if your Pepsi can is in the fire uh, a lot and being exposed to a lot of angry heat, um, what we can do to get that out of there. We're going to look at what we can do to deal with anger swiftly at the end of at the end of the sermon today. But let's move on and look at the other side. Let's look at what sinful anger is. Sinful anger is sustained anger. And maybe I should have said sinful anger is intentionally sustained anger. Paul writes in verse 27, look at our, that last verse. He says, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now the word devil there is the Greek word diabolos. It's fun to say, isn't it? I'm sure you want to say it. You and you guys online, let's all say this together. It's the word diabolos. Ready? One, two, three. Diabolos. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Diabolos. And one more time so that you remember it really well and you can share it with your friend at the water cooler tomorrow. Do they have those after COVID? No? While you're having coffee in your sofa, you can uh, share it with your workmate on Zoom. Uh, Ready? One, two, three. Diabolos. That word sounds very much like the the English word diabolical. So I began to look at that in the Greek dictionary. I want you to see this quote from the Greek dictionary. If we can move to the next slide, James. Uh, The Greek dictionary says that literally the word diabolos, while we personify it as the devil, uh, literally means backbiter, accuser, slanderer, someone who casts through. In other words, making charges that destroy what paul is saying we're saying deal with anger swiftly and don't let it be sustained because you give the devil the diabolical one the backbiter the accuser the slanderer the one who casts through the one who makes charges that destroy you give that one a foothold in your life and if you continue to keep your can in the fire your can of pepsi in the fire you yourself begin to take on characteristics that are diabolical. You've seen it. Angry people tend to turn into accusatory people. And they begin to just explode outward. They begin to criticize. They begin to look for the fault, find the fault, enhance the faults. You've been a part of that, haven't you? Oftentimes, critical people 
are angry people. And Paul is saying, don't give the devil a foothold in your life or you will find yourself beginning to act in just that way. Lastly, sinful anger is often self-inflicted. Sinful anger is also self-inflicted. The whole of these verses that we're looking at, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold, seems to assume that you and I have some personal responsibility when it comes to how we deal with sin. That there's a choice that's there. Are we going to let God deal with it swiftly, or are we going to let it be sustained in us? Are we going to just continue to allow that exposure to lead to sinful explosions? Paul seems to be reminding the Ephesians and us in the process that we have some things, and we often allow our can of Pepsi or Coke or whatever one you like To be set in the fire pit of anger and we wait for the explosion. Can I share what's been on my heart when I think about anger, the sin of anger as self-inflicted? Because it's, it's impacted me. I know it's impacted you. I know it's impacted the church. What I felt God laying on my heart to share with us, to talk about self-inflicted sin of anger is how often we put our little can of Pepsi near the roaring fire of news. Into the roaring fire pit of news media. And I'm not picking on anyone, I'm picking on all of them. Because whether you are angry because you feel like you have lost the country that you grew up in, or whether you're angry because the country that was promised at at the revolution never came to materialize for you or your group, and whichever news source screams that to you, you are putting your little can of Coke in a flaming, angry fire pit. And folks, anger is like pouring acid into a plastic jug. It destroys the container before it goes anywhere else. And can I say for us, myself included, that we have some responsibility to take our little can, you might need tongs if it's been in there a while, and move it out of the flaming fire pit of news media. And I don't care where you get it. You don't believe me that this is is the case. Try to do a one-week fast of all news media and then ask somebody that you really know and trust, do I seem less angry and critical today? has to be someone who's willing to tell you the truth. But folks... Sinful anger is often self-inflicted. And there are things that we can do to move away from this. Now, what are the things that we can do? I love those memes that were uh, a while back, you know, the, the keep calm and drink coffee. Keep calm and, you know, uh, read your Bible. 
keep calm and, you know, scan YouTube. I don't know. There are all kinds of things. So today I want to piggyback on that, and we're going to keep calm and trust Jesus. All right? How do we keep calm? Calm means something there. These are the things that we can do to deal with anger swiftly so that we're not uh, allowing that exposure to, to create explosions of anger in our life. The first thing is to confess your anger to God. Confess your anger to God. Now, I gotta, I gotta pause here for just a second because we in the church tend to get confession and repentance mixed up. They go really close together, but they are separate things. Repentance is recognizing that I am moving away from the direction that God called me to do and I repent and the word literally means turn 180 degrees so I can go this way. Confession means to say the same. The Greek word is homo legeo. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Homo legeo. Homo means same. Logeo means to say. Homo legeo. It just means saying the same. So to confess your anger is to simply say to God, I'm angry. I'm angry. If you, if you need words, you can go to Psalm 137 where the people of Israel wrote a, a song of worship, a prayer, where they're talking about how Babylon destroyed them in their city and they finish at the end where blessed are those who would bash our babies' enemies on the rocks. Is that angry enough for you? That's not saying that that we should do that. It's not giving license to go, oh, I should go do that. Find a Babylonian kid. But the psalm writer is saying, God, this is what I feel in my heart. But I need to tell you, or I may just go and do it. I'm moving my little can of Pepsi out of the fire. I want you to handle it, because I know, God, that you are the only one who is big enough to handle anger. Confess your anger to God. Say the same about what you are angry. Next, in our keeping calm, confess and then acknowledge your losses with God. If anger is that secondary emotion, then you go deeper. You confess your anger and then you go deeper and you acknowledge what the loss is that's creating the anger. You can stay in Psalm 137 if you want, or you can go to Psalm 13 or Psalm 22. There are a lot that are there that simply talk about what's rest, what the psalm writer is wrestling with. Psalm 13, oh God, will you forget me forever? How long must I have pain in my, in my, in my night? How long will I have tears on my pillow? Show up and answer me, oh God, or I will sleep the sleep of death. When we acknowledge our losses with God, it gives God the opportunity to come in and to bring comfort and healing. So we confess our anger. We acknowledge our losses. And then we move on to let God have our anger. And that might be hard. We might need a verse like Deuteronomy 32, 35 that says, Vengeance is mine says the Lord. Because too often when we hold on to anger, we think that vengeance is ours. But we can't be trusted with anger. 
It is only when God transforms our anger that we will no longer transmit our anger. And so we have to confess. We have to acknowledge our losses. And then we have to let God have our anger. And lastly, one more thing that we can do is to meditate on God's Word about anger. That while we confess our anger and acknowledge our losses and then let God have it, then to begin to sit quietly with God's Word. And whenever that anger begins to come up, we begin to say aloud verses that we have meditated on and committed to memory. Here are a couple. Let's go to the next slide. How about this one? We just learned it. Ephesians 4, 26 and 7, when that anger comes up, you're going to take your little can of Pepsi out of the fire by saying, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Maybe you need to, to memorize this one. Let's go to the next slide there, Ian. From Romans twelve nineteen, where Paul says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God can be trusted with anger. We can't. God will set things right. We won't. Maybe lastly, we just need to remember Jesus on the cross. Responding not with anger, but with forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We confess our anger. We acknowledge our losses. We let God have our anger, and we meditate on His Word. Another good one might be the Lord's Prayer that we just learned a few months ago. Because it has in there that verse, and forgive us our sins in the same manner as we are forgiving those who have sinned against us. In preparation for this message, I read a story in a, in the book, in a book by William Willimon. And he talks about meeting a woman from Belfast. That's probably what caught my attention. We lived in Belfast for a couple of years. If you don't know much about Belfast or Northern Ireland, they were in a very angry sectarian war. For about 30 years. Where Christians were killing other Christians. And he said, I was meeting with this woman while I was there on a speaking tour in Belfast. And I met this woman and, and she kept talking about her children. I said, is, is your husband here? And she said, no, my husband was murdered about 10 years ago. She said, oh, he said, oh my. That changes the, the conversation. What happened? And she told how they were getting ready to go and he was getting ready to go to work and he went out to the car and I was just behind him with my two girls at my knee. When two men from the other side drove up and walked around the car and shot my husband in the face five times. They shot at me, but I had ducked and I threw the girls in the door and closed the door and the bullet hit the door instead of me. And I went out to the car, and I looked at my husband's bloody body. And the only thing that I could make myself do 
was begin to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, our debts, as we forgive our debtors. She said, when I got to that point, I fell to my knees and I simply said to God, God, you have forgiven me of so much and so I suppose you want me to forgive others' sins. I have it here quoted behind me. I will try to do that, but you'll have to help me every day not to be destroyed by anger. Every day. Don't tell me that God's Word is not powerful. Because she said, the Lord gave me that wonderful gift. I was able to forgive. I let God be angry with them, or punish them, or forgive them, or whatever the Lord chose to do. I chose to forgive. They killed one of the most wonderful men in the world, and none of them was ever convicted of the crime, but my anger was no match for God. God wouldn't let the anger of it kill me. So, brothers and sisters, where's your little can of Pepsi today? Is it sitting in the fire pit? Has the bottom of it popped out the other way? Just a few more exposures. Is it going to explode or maybe explode again? Throw those flames out into your family, into your homes. Where is anger impacting you today? The invitation from Paul. And really the invitation from Jesus is to say, will you follow the path of calm and trust? Will you confess anger? Acknowledge your loss? Let God have your anger and begin to meditate on His Word. We're in a very angry season of our world. We've lost a lot, so it makes sense. Our question is, are we going to let God take our can of Pepsi out of the fire? I hope you will. I hope you will online. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, We need your help. We need your grace. We have lost much in our world and it is causing so much anger to come to the surface of our lives and our hearts. It's happening in our expressions. It's happening in our families. It's happening in our jobs. It's even happening in our church, in your church. So Jesus, we pray that you would teach us the way of calm. That you would help us to know with your gentle voice, 
confess your anger here. Just say the same about it. Tell me that you're angry. Be as graphic and as big as you need to be because I can handle it. I took the weight of sin on my shoulders and was able to forgive. Let me know about your anger. God, help us to hear you. Take us just that little bit deeper that says, but I know that below the anger is the loss. And help us to sit with you. And if we need a physical presence, help us to have the courage to sit with a trained counselor or professional therapist to help us deal with the losses that are creating that deep and abiding anger. I guess what we're asking is just teach us to let go, to let you have our anger. And allow your spirit to lead us into meditation on your word as we trust you on this journey. Thank you for your grace. Set us free from our chains and give us life, life to the full. For we pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus, the name of healing, the name of strength, the name of cleansing, the name of comfort, the name of hope. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? Benediction, we call it. And now, my friends, may you have the grace to hear the voice of Jesus pointing out where your little can of Pepsi is. And if he says it's too close to the fire of anger, And I pray that you would receive the grace to confess your anger. To acknowledge your loss. And to let Him have it. I pray that you will learn how to read and meditate on God's Word that it might set you free from anger, from envy, from pride. I pray that His Holy Spirit would fill you and bless you and send you out with the courage of His love and His mercy. And I pray you will receive all of these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Go in His peace and His grace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 11. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.